Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. It is time to talk BYU football with Brian Keel. Brian, good morning. Good morning. How you guys doing? Good. You know, you are a former Cougar player, and you love your Cougars, and you grew up here locally, and you know about the rivals, and you just seem to be getting into it on Twitter with Aggie and Ute fans all the time. Do you really enjoy that? <laughs> or are you trying to figure out how to extricate yourself from that? Or you're like, bring it on! I want more of this! <laughs> it's funny that you said that. Um, so, I do enjoy it, probably more than, than I should. And... Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's just different for me. I grew up in Salt Lake, surrounded by Ute fans, in the family of diehard season ticket holder BYU fans. And so I've kind of lived in enemy territory my whole life. And I came of age in the 90s when the rivalry really came alive. I was, I was you know, three years old in, in the 80s, three, four, five years old in the 80s when it wasn't a rivalry. And um, in 93, when Utah really kind of made it a rivalry, I, um, I uh, was nine years old. So I remember that and grew up in it. I love it. Twitter is now the, the playground where that takes place. And so I love, I love interacting, engaging, trash talking, whatever you want to call it, with Utah fans, with Utah State fans, with, with everybody. It's fun for me. So because they have that independent schedule, the schedule changes every year, obviously, but you do have some mainstays. And so far, those mainstays have been Utah, Boise, and Utah State. And with that in mind, that without any conference games, that's essentially a form of your conference game. So for you, how much added importance is there on the Utah State game as far as BYU winning? Yeah, so I, you know, I, I riled some, some Aggies. Um, I think it was last week. Made the comment that Utah State is the little brother of BYU and Utah. And, you know, the Aggies came out. I knew they would. The Aggies came after me for it. Um, and, and it's true. They have been the little brother. I don't care what you want to argue. But that doesn't mean little brother can't beat you. It doesn't mean little brother doesn't hit puberty, grow up, get big, all of a sudden – you know, he's got muscles now, and he can hit you in the mouth. And Utah State absolutely has done that the last several years. I mean, they beat us two in a row, and three out of the last four, whatever it is, and uh, three out of the last five. And um, so, yeah, so, you know, the, the history of the rivalry hasn't changed, and the way BYU has dominated hasn't changed. But in recent years, Utah State has the edge, and they will absolutely beat us this week if we don't take care of our business. And so it is, it is an important game. It's a key game. It's a critical game. It's a pride game. And, and we have to go, go play like we're capable of, not, not play crappy football that we've been susceptible to this season. All right, you're a former linebacker, and we have talked to you this year about just the horrific run defense that BYU has had, which is very unusual for BYU. They're usually pretty stout against the run, or very stout against the run, but they're not usually bad. Now, we've heard about Kalani taking a more hands-on roll, the whole drop eight, rush three thing. You went into it with us a couple weeks ago. How about that? How that puts the players in a tough spot, makes it harder to defend the run because of what they're doing. But it seemed like things changed against Boise State a little bit. Do you expect that to continue, or because it's been a roller coaster ride all year, all bets are off and the roller coaster probably continues? Yeah, so whatever happened in the box and on the sidelines 
and throughout the week before the Boise game, that needs to be replicated against Utah State. Obviously, it worked. And you know, I, I talked – in fact, I talked to um, a teammate of mine, Cameron Denson, on the phone yesterday, totally unrelated to football, just about something else. But, you know, we obviously chatted for a minute about the season and um, both, you know, frustrated and disappointed about the, 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 just the odd season that we've had. And um, Cameron didn't, didn't know anything about the, the switch-up that happened against Boise. And he was, he was kind of surprised to hear that and then kind of echoed the same sentiments that I had, like, well, it worked. We better keep doing that. And, um, you know, for anybody watching, you know, there was, there was an improvement in uh, our sense of urgency in the, the, the way the players responded, you know, their, their excitement, their energy levels, and just the execution. There's so many ways that it was, was better. And so, you know, going forward to, to this game against the Aggies, I would expect us to do the same thing, have an improvement against stopping the run because we've been bad at that all year. We took a big step forward against, against Boise, but we still weren't great. So we need to be better there and just, you know, just take care of business all, all around the board. So I, that's what I would expect. How much is that is incumbent upon the leadership, whether it's a junior or senior or whatever grade you might be in, because you've showed it a little bit now to make sure that it repeats itself and the leadership demanding everybody else not revert back to what we've seen in some of the games earlier this season? Leadership is key. So, um, you know, it's, it's easy for me to speak from my experience, um, so I will. My, my first season at BYU was 2002. It, it was BYU's first losing season in 30 years. And that was my true freshman year. Um, and I've said this before, I think that was the most talented team I played on in terms of just individual talent. Um, it was, you know, so 2002, if you remember, that's the year after 2001, where BYU was top in the country in offense, Gary Croton's first year. Um, they go 12-2. and two. You know, just amazing offense. Defense was was mediocre at best, but the offense was fantastic. Full of talent. Okay, so in 2002, the wheels fall off. And and I look back at that team, and that team, again, I say it was probably the most talented team I played on, you know, more talented than the 05, 06, 07 teams that I played on after my mission, even though those football teams were better. The 2002 team had more NFL guys. So why did we suck so bad? It was, in my opinion, it was leadership. We had talented players, but I don't think we had the necessary leadership to take to take the command, to take the onus, to to you know, grab people by the face mask if you need to, and and and, and just do everything that that needs to be done from a, from a leadership standpoint. It doesn't matter what year you are in the program, and. Um, you know, if if you look back, that that's my opinion. So so for this team this year, that's exactly what they need to do. The guys who are in leadership positions, they need to step up, and uh, they need to take care of they need to take care of business. 
So looking at the season as a whole, if they beat Utah State, if BYU beats Utah State, they would be 4-4 and with three games that they would be heavily favored in and they ought to win. That'd be 7-4. and Going to San Diego State for a chance at eight wins. I predicted seven. I thought eight was top shelf. Somebody brought up ten earlier this season and I completely dismissed it, which in retrospect, if they'd closed the fourth quarter against Toledo and South Florida, would actually be in play. But all that aside... If they get this Aggie game, for all the roller coaster, could you see this season ending up in a spot where you'd say, as a former Cougar player, you know, it had its ups and downs, but that actually was a pretty good year. Yeah, so um, if we went out and we, we finished 8-4, and four, it's, a, it's a good year, not a great year. It's not a disaster. It's, it's kind of somewhere in the middle. And it, I think it helps us, you know, Having eight wins with a win over Boise and a win over USC versus, say, we had lost to those two schools and beat Toledo and South Florida, I'd rather take the wins over Boise and, and USC. Now, obviously, I'd rather take all the wins, but it's still a good year, and, and that's what this, the, the coaches – the staff, they need to impress upon the players and the leadership players need to impress upon the whole team. Is, is that the, year, the year's not over. we got a lot to play for. It's very important. And, you know, just our positioning for recruiting and, and just there's so many different aspects. So it's important that we win out. It's important that we go to a bowl game. It's important that we do well in a bowl game. All these things matter. And so if that, if that outcome happens as a former player, I'll be pleased with the way that we, we rebounded after two devastating losses to Toledo and South Florida and finished out to have a good year, I'll still be disappointed because, in my opinion, those losses shouldn't happen. But um, there's, there's still a lot to play for. So that would be the focus, in my opinion. So if that does happen, given the fact that they're playing a lot of young guys, does that bode promising for the future in your mind? Yeah, so um, I, I try to be a a glass half full kind of guy. I try to be optimistic and I try to look at the silver lining in, in unfortunate circumstances. And so this, this is, this isn't a given, but this is what you hope. You hope that a crappy loss against Toledo or against South Florida is enough of a learning experience that it gets you two, three, four, five wins next season or the season after that that you wouldn't have had. That, again, that doesn't mean that that's a given. It doesn't mean that that automatically happens, but that's what you hope for. And, and that type of scenario can happen. It absolutely can happen. Where as a young player, you learn something. Because regardless, no matter what, this is just a, a, true, a truism of sport. You learn more in a loss than you do in a win. It's just, that's just proven. It's, it's not debatable. So... And, and again, it's not a given. It's, it's, all, it's potentially, you can potentially learn more in a loss than you can in a win. But you have to be willing to learn it. So hopefully these guys, especially the young guys, they picked up some nuggets from those crappy games that really benefits us down the road this season, next season, the season after that. And that's the type of momentum that you build year after year so that you can, can buoy up a program and, and kind of progress along the path of, of where we would like to go. All right, it's BYU. It's all about the quarterback. Which quarterback would you start? I would start. Um, I would start Jaron 
Uh, a couple of reasons. I've said before, I, I'm biased. I, I've known Jaron his whole life, and so it's it's you know it's 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 a biased situation for me. So that I, I'd be a liar if I didn't say that that affects it. But even aside from the bias, um, you know, just look at numbers. You know, people, fans are so skewed by wins and losses, and obviously a quarterback affects that outcome more than any other position. But it's still a team game, and you still win or lose as a team. And it's just kind of funny because we beat Boise. The perception is that Baylor played so much better, whereas he, he did play a fantastic game. But it's not like he played better than Jaron did. Jaron played absolutely great the week before and, and played a winning a winning game. In fact, he he had a, a higher QBR than Baylor did in the win against the win against um, Boise. So, so my point is. You know, if 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 Jaron is your backup, he didn't do anything to lose that spot. Then he's your guy. That's that's the way I would do it. I think he played a great game, and so I would go with him. That being said, they're both great quarterbacks. They've both shown that they can perform. So I think we're in good hands. Whoever the coaches decide to start. So we know that our tribal Utah has a massive game in Seattle against Washington. The Utes are top 10. If they win, they can take a gigantic step towards winning the South and maybe for themselves even going 11-1. and My thought for you is how much do you think Utah's success on the football field negatively affects BYU's team? So I, I want to take this chance. I know a lot of Utah fans listen to me on your show. And I've been battling with them on Twitter about Tyler Huntley. I called him a game manager week one against BYU because he had game manager numbers. Yeah, He's had a fantastic year. And I have said to Utah fans on Twitter repeatedly that if he comes out and torches Washington as he has some of the lesser Pac-12 opponents, I will eat all the crow in the world. So <laughs> any Utah fans that are listening right now, you heard it right here. I'm a man of my word. If Tyler Huntley torches the Huskies this weekend, I will eat all the crow you want and <laughs> acknowledge that I was deadly wrong about him being a game manager. But if that doesn't happen, I'm standing by to my game manager assessment. So anyway, to answer your question, um, it's tough. It's tough for so, – so, you know, BYU and, and Utah are, are kind of, you know, cousins. They're, uh, or, you know, they're, 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 they're intertwined and – it's it's tough for BYU to see the success that Utah's had, and and they have been on an upward trajectory ever since they hopped into the the Pac-12. Their their athletic department budget has gone up, their recruiting has gone up, their facilities have gone up, their national exposure has gone up. It's all been on the rise, and it's tough. You know, BYU's kind of you know I've made this reference before. They're they're standing in their tux waiting to go to prom without a date, you know, and we're just kind of waiting outside of the dance. We can't get in. And, um, and it's tough. And it, it, it affects us. The, it absolutely affects us in recruiting um, because it is, it is a zero-sum game, um, recruiting. So every big recruit that Utah gets is a recruit that we, we can't get. And obviously I know that there's different guys that they target, different guys that we target, but there's still a lot of overlap. And so – you know, the success of their program absolutely has an impact, not always negative, but always absolutely has an impact on our program. And this is what I, what I would like. Nothing would be better in my mind than for the Aggies, the Utes, and the Cougars to be nationally ranked every single season. 
I think that'd be good for the state of Utah. It'd be good for for high school football here. It'd be good for the fans. And um, so, you know, as, as much as it hurts me to see Utah's success, it, it's good. It's good for the state, and it, it, it's good for football here. And they're doing their part. So now. The, the Cougars, my team, and the Aggies, we got to do our part. We got to pick our game up because we're not getting it done. Well, at the risk of helping you dig a deeper hole here with Ute fans, I'm curious about the Tyler Huntley. I kind of get the game manager against BYU. It was the opener. It was a new offensive coordinator. They wanted to keep stuff under wraps for a college. They just or for a conference. They just wanted to get through the game and stay healthy, especially once they had a lead. So I kind of get all that. But in the conference games, to at least. To me, it seems like he's clearly been an impact player, and he's way past the game manager stage. But you don't want to say that. You're still waiting to see if he does it to Washington. No, so yeah, so basically he, I, and I've acknowledged this, he's played absolutely phenomenal football. Um, the, the thing that I've said is the, it, it's, been, it's been kind of adjusted by the schedule. Utah... Their, their Sadrin is like 46 in the country. You know, they've played a very soft schedule, and he has benefited from that. He's taken advantage of it and has played great football, but you can't ignore that. They've played some really crappy teams, and he's had good games against them. And the point that I've made to Utah fans on Twitter is if you look at – so he plays BYU, he throws for 100 yards, and is totally a game manager. And then Utah loses to USC, he has a poor game. And then Utah plays a bunch of crappy teams. He tears it up. Then they play a good team in Arizona State, and he has a poor game. And um, then uh, really the game that was kind of the outlier was against Cal. Cal is, is finally they play a team with a good defense, and, he, and, and on top of that he has a good game. He only played for half. And so it was kind of – it was a weird situation. He had a dump-off pass to – to Moss that he took 73 yards that really boosted his numbers. So, so my point is, you know, I'm fully willing to give him all the credit in the world. I just would like to see him do it against a real defense. And, um, you know, this, so that's why I've said this is it. You know, Washington is a complete football team, offense, defense, special teams. And um, if he can go out there and, and, and play the way he's been playing against them, then like I said, I'll eat all the crow in the world. I've acknowledged that he's played great football. I've just, I've just discounted it because of, of the competition. So it is what it is, and if people don't want to like that, that's fine. They're, 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 they're um, entitled to their opinion. That's just uh, what I have seen. So He's Brian Keel. He joins us every <laughs> week, part of the red and the blue, and he'll be available on Twitter if you'd like to argue with him, and I sense many of you would. Brian, thanks for joining us. Look forward to it. We'll talk to you again next week. Yeah, I've, I've taken a, a seven-day Twitter fast because I, I got into it too much. I realized it was, it was unhealthy for my psyche. So I'll, I'll be back in a couple days. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Brian. Yep, take care. There's Brian Keel coming up next. From the blue back to the red. Utah linebacker Francis Bernard. Stay with us. DJMP. Works. Verizon customers, if you were recently notified that some of your telecommunication services will no longer be supported, contact Syringa Networks. Syringa is Utah's fastest growing premier telecommunications provider. They've got a full range of services. Call them today at 385 420 7881. That number, 385 420 7881. That's Syringa Networks. Big show. Big show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Are you ready? You guys ready?
Josh Parcell with us. The more I watch Utah, the more I think this team has playoff written all over it. And they're not getting enough credit for how dominant they have been much of this season. And I know that they are just kicking themselves for not showing up against USC because if you take out that game, it's hard to find four teams that have looked more thoroughly dominant than the Utes. This is a big test. If they get past this one, they should be 11-1. and Beats a one-loss Oregon potentially in a Pac-12 title game. I think they're going to get in. They'll may need a little bit of help, but I think the Utes are in great shape. Turn this up. Catch the Big Show, presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Afternoons from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. PK. Yeah. Things change. Overtime attitudes change. Are we noticing a trend here, I'm wondering? In what way? Well, you think about the athletes that we knew when we were in college, yeah. and not that they were all a bunch of screwballs, but was there a higher percentage then than there is now? Not that there aren't any now, because there are some. Because we're, we're talking to athletes now, and these guys, you and I talked to Francis Bernard earlier in the week, and we're going to play it right here. And he's like, I want to be a pro next year. I've been told what it's like. I'm trying to do it now. It'll probably be times 10 when I get there, but I'm trying to push myself and be like that now. I mean, it was shades of... Of Jalen Johnson, which is shades of Zach Moss. The guys have plans. So you're saying Francis Bernard is serious? Applying themselves. Is that accurate? He's serious? He's serious. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Would you prefer to say lighten up, Francis? (laughs) That was good. I like that. Lighten up, Francis. (laughs) Or light them up, Francis. Yeah, he's been doing some of that. <laughs> he's a very he, good player, as man. As he gets into here, he says about linebackers, what we've been trying to figure out, like, and the Utes have been upgrading their linebackers. But you think that, man, a four-star linebacker would look at that defensive line and think, I am going to shine. I am going to have so many TFLs, baby. I am going to play the game in their backfield. This is going to be awesome. So they're going to arm on shine, huh? There it is. Well, I think there's a couple things there. Uh, does Utah, the state of Utah, produce some big-time linebackers? And they have, but they've gone to USC. Yeah. <laughs> or they've gone to BYU going back. Brian Keel, BYU. Mm-hmm. Cameron Jensen, BYU. You know, local kids right. who are really impact players going to BYU. And then you could put... Uh, uh, Brady Papinga, Evanston, it's basically Utah. Yeah. And the LDS kids going to BYU. So Utah, that's a position that they haven't really been able to do all that well. They got fortunate and they did pick up a couple of local kids in Hanson and, and Barton. And those guys, particularly Barton, I think got a lot better than maybe they ever, ever even imagined to the point of being a third-round draft choice. Uh, they had Paul who was a transfer from Miami, I think it was. So that's an unusual situation. Jared Norris might have been under-recruited. He, I believe he played in the NFL. Uh, so he was an impact player. But the position has not been a strong point because I'm thinking that that position is such that it's like getting an ace in pitching. If you get an ace, you got so many offers. And so I'm wondering that position, they maybe struggled a little bit because the real good ones are hard to find and they can go to SC if they're from California. They don't have to come to Utah. They can go there and be starters right off the bat if they're that good. So Utah really hasn't cashed in. They've got very fortunate in a sense that Francis Bernard, in his own well-documented past, had some issues that prevented him basically from staying or 
choosing to leave BYU. We know those are all out there. You can look them up. And so he wants to stay local. And obviously Utah is the place to go. And they were very, very fortunate to be able to get a player of his caliber at a position where they haven't really thrived relative to how much they've been able to thrive up front and behind them. Talking to him, he acknowledges a little bit that, you know, he he had to grow up, he had to mature, he had to focus. But, man, you listen to him talk now, and it feels like he's on point now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As a senior, yeah, he's married, has a kid. Uh, NFL's a possibility. He's got the size. He's got the skill set. I would think that he would – he'd be able to play somewhere, if not just special teams, and who cares as long as you're making a living in the NFL. So, yeah, and he is really focused. And it's good to see a player who has problems younger get that all out of the way and be able to take advantage of a second opportunity because very few people in life are going to get third and fourth opportunities. We'll just leave it at that. Uh, You can get a second chance. But I don't know if he had screwed up at Utah, he would have got a third chance. And he's taken full advantage of this second opportunity and really been a great player for them. All right. Here's Francis Bernard with PK and I on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. You always have plans. You always have dreams. But you know it's a roller coaster and they don't, things don't always work out the way you want. Standing here today, and I know there's still a lot of football to come, but standing here today, is this playing out about as well as you could have hoped when you came here? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, I plan to come in, make an impact, um, and, you know, just stand out as much as I can. Uh, but uh, I'm just fortunate enough to have made the plays I've made. And, you know, like I said, there's a lot more football to be played, and we're just excited for the rest of the season. So we saw you at an early age on another team make some phenomenal plays in the very stadium that is now your home games. So obviously you're a good player. You've been a good player for a number of years. But how much have you grown as far as personally as opposed to on the field? I've I've grown a lot. You know, uh, I went from being immature and not really knowing what I wanted in life you know all I really knew was football and that was about outside of football you know I was reckless but um, thanks to people in my life now you know my wife uh, my family they've been able to stabilize me and help me you know veer me in the right direction but you know there's just so many factors in my life that's helped me uh, mature and thanks to that I'm, I'm able to be even a better football player. So you could definitely draw that line and you could tell that to incoming freshmen because, you know, you're not the first guy or the last guy who's going to go through this, but you can tell the incoming freshmen how what's happening off the field is going to impact what you do on the field. Oh, absolutely. I, I, you know, co- the coaches stress about it all the time, you know, not, not just from your life, but even school. You know, school is a direct correlation to, you know, whether or not you'll get a job after, after football or, you know, just outside of football in life. Like, just everything you do just aligns with success. And, uh, you know, I just... I've been able to kind of put it all together, and now you know I'm just continuing to climb, and I'm just, I'm, like I said, I'm just, I'm just excited. I'm grateful that I'm here. That's an interesting concept. That the struggles that you had, which you know, as a, as a somewhat of a public figure locally, those those have all been documented and played out in the media. So there's no point in running from them. And because of those, you believe that it's made you a better football player. I'm wondering if you didn't have those and everything had been great, would you be as good of a football player as you? Are now. Oh, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I, I look back, I regret, you know, the, the, the things I've done, and I, I just look back and I'm like, man, you know, had I just took things more serious, then you know, I I, I wouldn't have to, I wouldn't have to gone through the things I would have gone through. But you know, everything happens for a reason. Um, I'm glad I'm here, and you know, we're making making uh, something special happen over here, and you know, we're, I'm just excited. 
Does the maturity, though, help when you're preparing for a game? You still be the athlete you are, you saw the competitiveness, but, you know, sitting in a film room early in the week, extra film, trying to get every damn, everything down rock solid. When you're in a game, recognizing stuff earlier mm-hmm. from whatever keys you picked up makes you quicker in a game. Yeah. Right? We'll praise your quickness, but really it's the early recognition that sets everything up. Yeah, you know, you hit it right on the money. You know, it's... Uh, I treat this year as if I'm already in the NFL, you know, I'm here early in the morning, you know, getting film in, you know, eating, eating right, just doing everything right because I know, you know, at the next level it's going to be that times 10 and, you know, I'm just trying to prepare myself for that and, um, you know, I just, I look at myself as a pro now and so I just, I, I act like a pro now. So how sweet is it for a linebacker to play behind that defensive line? Oh my gosh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's incredible. I am... I'm so blessed, you know, I, I wouldn't be making the plays that I make without them, and I don't think they get enough credit, you know, especially John and Lecky, you know, they do such a phenomenal job to keep Devin and I clean when we come through our gaps, and then even, like, when we blitz, you know, we'll blitz, we, people are scared of them, so then it keeps us free and keeps the safeties free, and so we're just lucky to have them. So watching Utah throughout their Pac-12 history, as that line's gotten more recognition, we've been waiting, it's like, why aren't linebackers flocking to play behind these guys? And you can, every couple of years, incrementally say, hey, they're getting better at that position, they're getting better. Do you feel like young linebackers out there, maybe you see guys on recruiting trips or whatever, are they looking at Utah differently now because of who they get to play behind or oh, who they, they would? I think so. I think, uh, you know, they see just the kind of guys that come in, especially for the interior defensive linemen. They're like, dang, like, those guys keep me clean and so, you know, I can make the plays. But, you know, also it's it's also the scheme, too. The scheme allows the linebackers to flow fast and, and read fast and just run. And so, um, you know, for all young linebackers out there who are looking to, you know, really play linebacker, this is a great school to come to. Just, just like what you say, you know, our linemen do a phenomenal job keeping them clean and a phenomenal job to just pretty much make the linebackers look good. Did the loss to SC heighten the intensity, the concentration, and the focus of the team? Oh, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, not that we went into the, the game um, nonchalant, but it was just, you know, there was just a lot of things, you know, obviously that went wrong in the game. But as soon as you know, we lost, you know, we took it to heart and just our fo- our, re- our focus just uh, went up a notch. And, you know, we've ever since then, just every week, we've continued to get, uh, we wanted to get better every single week. So when you watch film on Washington, what do they do really well? Where are you going to be tested? They run their base stuff really well. You know, they're going to try to trick us with uh, shifts and motions early, early and just honestly throughout the game. But the shifts and motion all will come back to what they do, you know, in their base stuff. You know, they, they will run the ball. They're going to come down, you know, try to run the ball down our throat. And then after that, you know, they'll run naked poop. But because uh, they, they got a great quarterback. And so, you know, out of their base stuff, you know, they just do a phenomenal job of playing uh, team ball, and their offense is good. So since that SC game, obviously the defense is just absolutely dominated. The stats are incredible, you know, three points and zero points, all that stuff. And so now you go up to Seattle, should be a packed house. You're ranked in the top ten. How much do you have to be prepared to getting whatever Washington has in them in terms of their best shot? I mean, it, we're, we're taking it, you know, just like another week. Uh, you know, we know they got they got good stuff that, you know, that's capable of be, beating our defense. And so we just got to come in every single day ready to prepare. Just like, you know, we the, the way after the SC game, it's kind of like everyone's just preparing like it's our last game. And so as we continue to have that same mentality, you know, we'll continue to have the same results. And so. So not looking at film like you, watching games on TV, it looks like ASU and Washington probably have the best running backs you have to face. Yeah. Watching film for games, is that the, number one, is that the way it looks to you? Number two, how would you compare those two backs? Oh, yeah, I mean, Eno is second to none. You know, I, I give him all, all the credit in the world. He's a phenomenal back. Uh, 
he could do just about anything, catch the ball, run, block. Um, you know, the Braxton we're facing this week, Ahmad, uh, Sol- I don't even know their names. I'm not. Salvan Ahmad is really fast, good uh, outside back. 25 is a good back. You know, they're all just solid backs. Um, and so we just got to be prepared for every single one of them because they could all, you know, make something happen and make us miss in open field. And so they're good. So did Samson Nakua say, hey, take it easy on my brother or hit him harder? I mean, hit him hard. You know, if he comes in the middle, I'm going to have to clean his clock. So, yeah, he's got to be prepared. So you look at these last three games, as I said, uh, and I I know what your answer is going to be to this question because every every player would say this, but you guys have been defensively so dominant. How can you absolutely be even better? There's always room to improve, you know. We we go back and look at the film. You know, guys just not being in the right position, guys being not disciplined. You know, the – Overall score, overall uh, stats may look good, but you know there's always room to improve. You know, in every every aspect of the game. Well, I mean, you gave up four yards to ASU passing, so you're talking three, maybe zero. Zero. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you got me there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for a few minutes. We'll leave it right there. You need to. I guess the message is you need to improve on allowing four yards of passing. Yeah. So good, good luck with that. Good yeah. work on that. Appreciate it. Yep. All right. All right thanks, thanks a lot. Francis. Yep. There's Francis Bernard with Pecan Eye. He's going to be tested this week. The Ogden kid is uh, is really good for Washington. I'm really interested to see what's going to happen with Washington's offense because it has been a little bit of a mystery so far this season. You know, I think with Eason, the quarterback, going to Georgia, playing early, then getting hurt, then getting beat out and transferred, I think a lot of us expected him to step right in, even though basically he hadn't played football for two years at the level that you need to play because of the injury and then last year sitting out as a transfer. And so we thought that, well, yeah, you look at a man the size the strength, the arm. Kyle Winningham talked about it earlier this week. And so with that in mind, you're thinking, man, you're just going to come in there and just light it up. Well, you know, you lose a great running back in Gaskins. Your offensive line, though, all seniors and all returners, uh, Trey Adams coming back, and he was hurt last year early, and he was supposed to be a high pick. So their offense, to me, really hasn't done what we've expected it to do. And how's it going to do against this defense? That's why I think Utah has the advantage because of the fact that this offense going up against what I believe, well, at worst, it's the second-best defense because you can argue – Oregon is the best defense, and you can get back and forth on that. But the fact is, you know, they didn't do a whole. They did okay against Oregon, but maybe they've gotten better now. They, you know, they've had another week. I expected their defense to struggle a little bit because they had to replace nine guys. I mean, that's just unrealistic to expect them to pick up where they left off, and so many of those guys going to the NFL. Well, yes, but you know, you were the one who said you were told to Pac-12 media, watch out, Washington's going to get better as the season goes along. It's one thing in September; it's yeah, another yeah, in October, yeah. but it'll be another in November. We'll see. Well, I wasn't yeah. there, so I didn't get told that. But I think a lot of fans listening to you say that, and me included, would say, well, yeah, he didn't stop recruiting up there. He and that staff didn't didn't stop recruiting. And he's been a good coach for a long time. Of course, he's coaching him up. So it kind of made sense. And so as a Ute fan going into this on the surface, I think it's easy to pick Utah. And I will pick Utah to win this game. The thing that I think stresses out Ute fans is – Chris Peterson is a good coach, and he didn't stop recruiting, and now he's had a bye week, and they've been doing some stuff. You know, Oregon's a good team, so you play a 35-31 game with Oregon. You did some stuff right. did some stuff wrong, but you did some stuff right, and now they've had two weeks to fine-tune on that, and Kyle Whittingham's been saying it. Yeah, we're taking people's best shot. 
that they were the preseason pick in the Pac-12 South. They won the Pac-12 South last year. Absolutely, Washington's looking forward to this game. So you're going to get their best effort at a time when they ought to be peaking. Now, the question is, what is Washington's peak? And maybe Washington's peak isn't even good enough. Maybe their peak isn't good enough. Washington can play their best game and still not beat Utah because Utah's playing their best game and they're better. But it probably puts a little doubt in there. And the fact that Kyle's 1-6 against Chris Peterson has to put a little doubt in people's minds, too. I know. Their peak. Well, if it's not very good, their peak, then I guess you could call it (laughs) peek-a-poo. Sure. If you want. (laughs) Yuck, we have to go to break, Or if they do some tricks. And if we don't, lie to me. And we acknowledge that. Kyle acknowledged that. If they have some tricks up their sleeve, it could be peekaboo. Oh, there it is. All right. (laughs) DJ PK. Who are you picking? I'm going to go with the Utes slightly. Right. For all all the things I said. It's a bye week and Washington might play the best game. Unless there's a blowout either way, pretty much nothing is going to surprise me. All right. When we come back. Your feedback on today's show, your picks, your predictions for the big games this weekend. That's next. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Happy birthday, DJ. Bless your heart for putting up with PK this long. Hope honey gets you something real nice. DJ and PK, it's time for the feedback of the day. Brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only $3.59 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or AudiSaltLakeCity.com. All right, PK. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got people reacting to the news that the Broncos are going to be on TV again. They are? This is a dreadful game. Who are they playing? They're playing the Browns. It's two and five versus two and six. Snooze. Yeah, have a new meat for the Broncos. <laughs> I'm getting people. Elaine Scott tweets at me. First off, Elaine, thanks for using your name. Second off, wow, maybe I should move. <laughs> Who should move? He should. So he gets a different NFL game because he's looking at the map. Oh yeah, yeah. I put yeah. the maps up on Twitter so you can see what games are going to what parts of the country and all that kind of stuff. And uh, and maybe I should move. It'd be less expensive to get an NFL ticket, but you know, if you want to move, okay. You can get a lot for your house right now. I've never purchased any of those extra innings, NBA package, NFL ticket, none of that stuff. Oh, we got a poll question up. And oh, one other thing on the Broncos, though. This is the worst stretch of football that they have played these last two and a half seasons in like 40 years. So it's going to be, in, in, all, in, in all seriousness, I am interested to see on when CBS starts bailing on them. And maybe the answer is they don't. Well, certainly not next year when they got Eli at quarterback. Next, no, the rest of forget next year. I'm talking about the rest of this season. I know. Start showing other games. I, I understand with that. Teams with winning records. I understand. What and you're at the saying. start of next year, I fully expect they go back to the Broncos until they play with their Eli at quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> Make another Manning move. I see what you're doing there. It's as many retreads as you can get. That's the L way way. <laughs> Big game Saturday. Who will win? Poll question up on Twitter at David DJ James. Forty-seven percent of the people think it's going to be. The favorites, the Utes and the Aggies, both about three-point favorites now. The Aggies at one point were like six-point favorites. Somebody's been putting money on BYU and bringing that down. I can tell you that BYU is confident that they'll score some points on these guys. That's why, and we had Riley Nelson on earlier, and he was saying the over-under was 48. I would bet over. So is there a chance, though, that they can't stop the run and they lose this game 31-27 well, or something yeah. like that? Yeah, they could lose. Yeah, Which would yeah. be over and would be right near the spread. You know, it'd be yeah. Aggies by four and it'd be ballpark. 
All right, you can vote. Go to David DJ James. Vote in that. I also retweeted a picture. Uh, it's a funny Halloween picture. Uh, Alex Smith, the former Ute quarterback, is dressed as somebody at the beach. His two kids are in shark suits, and they're gnawing on his leg, which has blood all over it. And his wife and uh, the third kid are standing there uh, as lifeguards pointing at it. So it's funny, but PK, his right leg looks way bigger than his left leg and still looks really swollen. I mean, it's been a long time since that injury, but it, and you can't really tell. I mean, it's a Halloween picture, and I don't know the perspective, and you can't see the whole leg, but I don't know. You look at it, and right away you're thinking, well, he's not very close to playing in the NFL. And I know people said when he got hurt that that's, that injury can be a career ender, so maybe he never will. Uh, maybe it won't be, yeah. But if you check that out on my Twitter feed, you'll notice, yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't look right. All right, DJ and PK, there you go. There is the feedback of the day. PK, have fun in Seattle. Looking forward to it very much so. He'll be there with Utes and Washington. He'll be on the post-game show with Hans and Frank. He'll have post-game interviews, all the sound, and then uh, listen to Utah State and BYU. From Logan, Saturday night, the game will be on both stations, both 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. All right, DJ and PK, we're out of here. Tony and Austin are next. See ya.